welcome back to another episode of The Way In. Um, we're doing the UFC 267 Fallout. Um, it's your host, your boy Kuda, aka The Crybaby. And I'll get into why I'm not a crybaby. I'm not, I'm not brother with anyone. Like I, I'm an emotional wreck, quite frankly. Uh, but only, only MMA could get me like this. Only MMA. Only sport that can make me actually shed tears is mixed martial arts, like tears of joy. Um, and we'll get into why. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure you guys, if you watch the fights and see my tweets and stuff, you'll know why. But um, yeah, it's so the UFC 267 Fallout. What an event it was. Um, I apologize to all the South African listeners. I definitely gave you the wrong time. It definitely started in like the afternoon. Like the everything started in the afternoon. It ended before 12 midnight. So I gave you the wrong time. Um, and which is funny because I knew the time and I watched the fights <laughs> myself. So that's my bad. Uh, so if you didn't get to watch it, my bad. But I'm sure there are repeats on um, DSTV. There'll be repeats. Um, there are links and stuff that you can go to. And you can check it out. Um, but yeah, UFC 267 Fallout. Um, it was a great event. Um, lots of finishes. Lots of good fights. There were no bad fights. Um, no like controversy in vertical comics except for one fight on the prelims. Um, but there were lots of finishes. Um, surprisingly, most of the finishes were submissions. Um, I, think, I guess if you fight Russians, you're gonna get tapped out. They they like to put people. They like to make people give up. Um, but yeah, what a what a what a great event. So here are the results: Glover Teixeira, at 42 years old, becomes the oldest ever first-time UFC champion. Took him 20 years to get here. The last time he challenged for the title was 2014. Wow, what a story. Um, got the submission by rear naked choke in the second round over Jan Blakovic. Um, it's just one of those fights where you didn't want either guy to lose because they're both great guys. Um, but we'll get into that later. Piotr Jan, what a machine. Got the unanimous decision nod over Corey Sandhagen. My guy did not get it done. Uh, that was 49-46 on all three judges' cards. I didn't have a 49-46. But we'll get into that. Yeah, Islam Makachev. He won by first round submission with a Kimura over Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's a savage, but jeez, man. Islam is built different. Um, Alexander Volkov. Unanimous decision win. 30-27 on two judges' scorecards. 29-28 on one judges' scorecard over Marcin Taibura. Uh, we had the Chechen Wolf. Hamzat Shimaev. He won by technical submission with a rear naked choke in the first round. He did it in three minutes and 60 seconds of just pure dominance over the leech Li Jingliang. We'll get into that as well. Um, you had Ankalaev. He won by unanimous decision over Hawkins Uzdemir. 30-27 on two cards. 29-28 on one. And Amanda Ribas. She surprised me. She came out um, in the second round and, and took over the fight. 29-28. Um, on all three judges scorecards over Janjiroba. So those are the results. Um, good, good set of fights, man. No fight was boring. Um, every fight, well, I, I don't ever consider fights boring unless it's like literally no action going on. But, you know, groundwork, the striking, everything it was so technical. Like the whole night was just a technical masterclass from every fighter. It was brilliant to watch. Um, so Dana White, he came up with the awards. He gave 
performance of the night bonuses to Glover and Jemaya for their submissions. And he gave a five of the night bonus to Jan versus Sanhagen. I told everybody that would be the fight of the night. It was the fight of the night. What a fight it was. Um, and now, the weigh-in awards. All right, so for the knockout of the night, I got to give that to my man, Leon Murphy. He fought on the prelims. Um, I forget who he was fighting, but it uh, no, he was fighting Amir uh, Makwani, I think. And um, yeah, first round wasn't looking too good for the boy. He got taken down. Second round, he timed a beautiful knee straight down the middle of the pipe. Um, while uh, Mahwani was going for a takedown, slept him cold, flatlined the boy. I mean, he was not well. Um, yeah, what a what a knockout for that guy. Um, I, I think he's going to get a ranked opponent next. He's a, he's a he's a player at welterweight, so it's going to be very interesting to see where they go with him. Submission of the night for me has to go to um, Hamza Chimaev. <laughs> that guy's an animal. <laughs> we'll get into it, but he's um, he's scary. He's very, very scary. Um, fight of the night goes to Jan and Sanhagen. Uh, like I said, that was always going to be fight of the night. We'll get into... I'm going to do more analysis on the fight. Um, but the, what a fight that was, man. It was an awesome, awesome fight. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, had my heart racing. Like, yeah, this is the thing about MMA. I always get so nervous watching these fights, especially when I'm, when I'm really rooting for someone in the fight. Um, I always get so nervous, especially title fights. But yeah, Jan versus Angel was so good. So much heart on display and the technical prowess and the game plan and everything. It was so good. Um, they were, you know, taking it and giving it back to each other. So what a, what a fight that was. Flawless victory award. You know, I want to give it to Hamza Chimaev. You know, that, you know, three minutes and 16 seconds was just pure domination. Did not eat a single significant strike. Um... But Islam Makachev also put on a flawless victory over Dan Hooker. Um, you know, uh, I think he did take a, one significant strike or two. But once he got to the ground, he just, you know, position, submission, done now, you know. Um, Prom King, who comes off the best at the, at the end of the night? Who, who has the most momentum? Who's everybody going to be talking about? Um, obviously Glover took Shera, right? 42 years old, he does it. The whole MMA world is, is emotional, you know. It was like one of those nights that you're not going to forget. You know, where were you when Glover did it at 42, man? Where were you when the old man did it? You know, for reference, he's the same age as guys like Andre Lovsky, BJ Penn, um, Rashad Evans. You know, these guys are, you know, we all consider them to be finished fighters. And he went out and won a world title against a very, very game opponent. Against a very, very good, great fighter, you know. Um, but it was his night. Um, but also, in the same token, Hamza Chimaev's performance was crazy. Um, he, I mean, well, everyone's going to be talking about him now. He's now a player in the welterweight division. Um, he's a serious player in the welterweight division just by virtue of him now being... In, he's now ranked, you know, he's gonna have a number next to his name um, now, and um, he's gonna be, you know, number 11 in the world now. And so, the top 10 guys they can't run, you know, a guy like that is only is only gonna get fight offers for people ahead of him. And so, we're gonna talk about what's gonna, what's gonna happen. I think he's gonna get to the title very quickly. I think they're gonna 
you know, rocket him to the title. I think he'll get there before six or seven fights. I think his six or seventh fight will be for the title. Um, and, and if he keeps dominating like this, you can't deny him. Tomato can. This is actually very interesting. The tomato can of the night was this guy called Vyacheslav Kiselev. Right? And you're like, who's that guy? He's a referee. So in there was a fight between Benoit Saint-Elmi and um, this guy Dos Santos. And, you know, it was a good fight. First round, even, pretty even, I'd say. You know, Benoit came out, he wanted to take it to the ground. He got, a, he got some takedowns, but the, in the striking department, he was there. But, you know, Dos Santos is just one of those tricky customers, you know, UFC veteran. He knows exactly what he's doing in the game plan was on point. Benoit was making his debut. The experience gap was crazy. You know, Benoit, that was his... Um, tenth professional fight, if I'm not mistaken, whereas uh, with Dos Santos, it was his 30th professional fight. So the experience gap was huge, but Benoit was game. The second round comes along, and Benoit gets cracked, and he's hurt badly, badly hurt, man, badly, badly hurt, and he's getting cracked. He's getting cracked. He's getting cracked, and he's he's a he's a he's a former French uh, special forces guy, so he's tough. He's not going to give up. Uh, let alone go down, right? He's tough. He's he's seen real combat, life and death combat, and um, so he's never gonna give up. He's gonna keep on trying. He's gonna keep on fighting, um, and he did. But that being said, the fight should have been stopped. He was out on his feet. Um, it's almost like the ref was basically saying, "Yo, um, you know, death is the only way you get out of this." Um, so it, it was it was quite it was quite upsetting. Um, to see a guy take so much punishment, but also, you know, you give him so much credit for being able to take so much punishment and keep going and keep fighting. And he, he kept fighting. He kept landing strikes, landing hard kicks, going for takedowns. He secured a couple takedowns. He was, he was going hard. Then in the third round, you know, he, you know, he takes this shot and he's like, you know, he's not there. He sort of stumbles and he's not there at all. Um, but he somehow gets back to his feet. They're clinching against the cage. To this point, there have been no fouls. Um, I think there was one. There was one accident eye poke, but you know, other than that, nothing. Like once when the eye poke happened, Benoit sent to me. He recovered within I don't know, within a minute he recovered. You get five minutes to recover. He recovered within I think thirty seconds or whatever, and he said, "No, let's go." So it wasn't a bad foul. You know, the referee warns him, "Don't poke, don't eye poke." No eye pokes, right? Um, and then they're clinching against the cage. Um, Dos Santos throws a knee that's a little bit low. He's obviously not intentionally trying to low blow a guy. He's trying to knee, the, knee him in the belly. Um, you know, hits Santami in the, in the cup. And Santami, you know, he's feeling it. But here again, he recovers within like 30 seconds. He says, no, let's go. You know, all hot this guy is. This rev goes ahead and takes away a point from Dos Santos. No warnings. Um... You know, just no warning prior. Um, you know, it just takes away a point, and you know, everyone. You know, John McCarthy. Um, he's the guy who wrote the unified rules of mixed martial arts. He sent out a tweet saying that's the worst refing job he's ever seen in his life. Daniel Cormier, who was ringside, same thing. Everyone was basically saying this ref is terrible. If you go look at MMA Twitter talking about this ref, he was terrible, and uh, the UFC decided to remove him 
from he had another fight. He was supposed to do the Ankalaya versus Uthamir fight, the opener of the main card. The UFC removed him. They said, listen man, pack your bags, go home. You're clearly not good at this. We do not want you to ever ref again in the UFC. That was a terrible performance from the referee. Um, so he's my tomato can. Um, yeah, we, we can make ref we can we can judge referees too. Um, and, and give them awards too. So he's the tomato can of the day. And then yeah, the tough guy award who who showed the most heart, who just did not give up on himself. Obviously it has to be Benoit Santa me for you know, I just described the fight. Um, what heart on that guy? You know, French special forces, man. Do not do not mess with with special forces niggas, man. Those guys are tough. They you gotta kill them. Literally, I felt like he was prepared to die in there before he'd give up. Um, so he was all heart, man. It was it was amazing. Um, he took so much damage. I mean, his blood, his face was just covered in red. He's a crimson mess. Um, but you know, shout out to him. I guess it's a sport, you know. It's not a, it's not a, it's not dancing, man. This is fighting. So, shout out to him. So those are the the weigh-in awards. Um, let's get into the the six fights or the seven fights that that you know I I, I felt were the the big fights, the fights to watch. Um, so on my picks, I was out of seven. I got two wrong, so I was five and two. That's not too bad. Maybe I do know something about this mixed martial arts thing, man. Maybe I do know. Um, I should have put money on the fights that I felt very sure about because the ones I felt very sure about were the ones that paid off. So I really should have taken those bets. Really should put money on, but I, I, I don't know. I was a bit gun shy. Um, best believe I will not be doing that again. I will back myself. Um, I just don't like losing money. Um, but anyway, so at the top of the bill, obviously Glover Teixeira, Piotrian. You know that the Glover Teixeira, Piotrian, um, called open package the, the 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 fight hype promo thing that they played before the fight happens um made me emotional watching it just Glover's story you all know Glover's story he you know for a long time couldn't get into the UFC because of visa problems um you know still went on you know 15 fight win streak outside and people were saying wait till this guy gets to the UFC he's so good so talented legendary he gets in five fight win streak faces John Jones and loses and we all think at this point he's a bit old man this is 2014 he's 42 now so and it's 2021 so that was what seven years ago so that makes him minus two minus five that makes him 35 at the time that he challenged for the for the title at 35 you really don't think that a guy can come back and 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 win a title and he lost some fights, won some fights, but everyone's like, he's just, you know, that's just Clover. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's still a good fighter. He's gonna remain in the top ten, but you know, eventually he's gonna slide down. And what does he do? He starts racking wins together. You know, starts racking very good wins together, finishing people, five fight win streak, um, and then he gets his title shot. He finishes, uh, he finishes. Um, he's on a three fight finishing streak, actually. Finishes Anthony Smith by ground and pound. Finishes um, uh, uh, he finishes Thiago Santos by submission. The fight against Jan, he, he you know gets that takedown early, lands some good ground and pound. Um, you know, he was cranking Jan's neck from 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 mount, cranking that neck. You can see Jan did not like that, 
And so it was very encouraging in the second round. You know, so he definitely won that round, not a 10-8 round, but he won that round, dominated the round. Second round, Jan comes out, defends the takedowns, defends the takedowns, defends the takedowns. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, Jan's, he's in the fight now. And Jan is landing great shots, man. His boxing is looking good, smooth. He's not throwing kicks. He's being smart. He knows, you know, I'm not going to throw any kicks. I'm going to keep it standing, you know, so that the kicks don't get caught and I can keep it standing. And he's landing brilliant shots until... Clover lands this looping left hook that hurts Jan. Uh, Jan is wobbling, but he's, you know, he's still in there. Um, Clover gets him to the cage, presses him to the cage, um, does like this clever little ankle pick. People say there's a single leg, but it, I felt like it was more like an ankle pick. He like grabs, you know, uh, Jan's ankles, uh, one ankle slips him down and he goes straight to the back and, and gets that, gets that rear naked choke in. And Jan taps very quickly because uh, his forearm was right underneath his, his, his jugular there. Um, and Clover is the new champ. You know, it's not just that he won. It's the way that he won. You know, he, he won in such impressive fashion at 42 years old. And so when he won and, you know, you can see everyone was happy. Um, you, know, you know, DC says, i got to give this guy a hug when he was interviewing him. Um, you know, Glover was thanking everybody. He was, you know, talking to Dana White and saying, you know, you know, you can see they were sharing a moment together and, um, and, you know, Big Nog was there and, you know, um, you know, Big Nog was crying and, you know, you can tell that Glover, you wanted to cry, but he was trying to keep it together. I, I, I shed a tear. I became a crybaby. I, just watching all of that made me so emotional. Um, uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment in mixed martial arts and, you know, it's just, you know, that's what that's what we watch the sport for. Moments like that, you know, where, you know, it's not really, a, you know, we, we do love to see these undefeated guys never lose and all this confidence and the swagger and the trash talk and all that kind of stuff. But on the other side, you love to see a true martial artist overcome. You know, everybody loves the story of people who get knocked down and keep coming back. You know, Glover in the pre-fight package, um, you know, he was quoted saying, it's not about how hard you get hit, it's about how hard... It's about, um, and not about how hard you get hit, but um, that whole Rocky quote where you're basically saying, you know, uh, how much you can take and keep coming back. Um, so, you know, Glover, true champion for life, you know, true champion. But even if he hadn't won the fight, true champion for life. Um, and always so respectful, you know, he didn't celebrate immediately. He, you know, picked up Jan, made sure Jan was okay, showed him respect. Um, and Jan is a great guy too, you know, Jan actually bought him a beer, a Polish beer for his birthday. Um, it was Glover's birthday, I think three days ago. So what a birthday week for Glover, right? Um, but beautiful, beautiful scenes. I shed a tear. I was very emotional. Um, I don't know why, why I was so emotional. I don't know. Maybe there's some underlying stuff going on there, but anyway, so what's next? What's next for Glover to share? Yuri Perhachka was in the crowd. Um, Yuri Prohashka was in the crowd and he, he said, I'm next. And, you know, he, he weighed in at 205, uh, as a backup for the fight, just in case someone couldn't make weight or injured or whatever. And he's next. But Clover says, give me some time. We can fight in May. I want to take a bit of a break. And he deserves a break. He deserves a long break. He deserves to come back when he wants to. Um, so we're probably going to see that fight in May. Yuri Prohashka versus Clover Tierra will be a great fight. I still favor Yuri Pohachka in that fight. I still think Yuri is just a step 
ahead above everybody in the in 205. But I'm happy that Glover got the belt, you know. I'm happy that Glover got the belt and got to call himself champion, you know. Um, so we'll see what happens. And what should happen to Piotr, uh, what should happen to Jan uh, Blakovic? Well, the light heavyweight division is a bit of a mix-up. Um, but I do think Jan should go ahead and fight um, Rakic. I think Rakic is ranked number three or four. So I think that's a good fight because, you know, Jan will go down to number one. So you can fight the number three guy. Um, pretty, pretty good. Oh, yeah, I think he's the number three guy in the world. Um, Yeri Prajka is number two guy in the world. So I think Rakic versus Jan makes a lot of sense. Um, I say, so I think that's how the light heavyweight division will shape up near the top. Um, there is some other stuff that might happen, but I'll, we'll go into that when we actually let's skip ahead. And um, obviously, Ankalaya versus Uzdemir also happened at light heavyweight. Those guys are light heavyweight players, top 10 players. Ankalaev came out, dominated the fight. Uh, although, in the first round, um, it looked like the old Uzdemir was there. You know, he was landing uppercuts and huge shots, but Ankalaev stayed in there, stayed calm, and eventually hurt him and just kept the pressure on. Just, he was just a better all-round striker than Uzdemir. Um, so he got the, that unanimous decision nod. 30-27 um, on, on two of the general scorecards, so you can tell it was, it was quite a dominating performance. Ankalaev. You know, he had a number seven next to his name. He fought Uzdemir, who had number eight. Um, so I think, although, yeah, I think it was more of an opportunity for Ankalaev because Uzdemir is a is a name in the division. He did challenge for the title once. He's a name. So even though he fought a guy lower than him, I think the opportunity was for him. Um, so where does that leave him? Well, he's got a couple options, right? Um, he's got Reyes ranked number six, son uh, Santos, Thiago Santos at five and Smith at number four. Um, Smith just came off a win off uh, Ryan Spann. Um, so it really depends. I think those four guys, Ankalaev, Reyes, Santos, Smith, they're all going to get paired up together in some combination. How I would do it, I think I would get Reyes going up against Smith. I think that's a more exciting fight stylistically, and Ankalaya versus San Santos. You know, so number seven versus number five, number six versus number four. That That's how I would do it. Um, but any combination of these guys fighting, because none of them have ever fought before, would be very interesting to watch. So what happens to Uzdemir? Well, he's coming off a loss to a guy ranked higher than him. So I think he needs to fight a guy ranked lower than him. And I think the perfect fight for him is Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker ranked number 10. Johnny Walker obviously came up a loss to um, Thiago Santos. So I think uh, a fight with Uzdemir would be good. They're both coming off losses. Walker still gets a guy who's ranked ahead of him. I still see a lot of growth and potential in Johnny Walker. So I think that's a great fight to put up. Walker versus Uzdemir, and that'll be a cracker. They're going to bang They're gonna bang it out. They're going to stand up, and they're just going to throw reckless abandon and someone's going to sleep so i i really like that fight and i like how the heavyweight division is shaping up it's not the premier division like it used to be back in the day but it is still very exciting at this point i think it's competitive i think it's actually a great division it's not competitive again um there are lots of players in the division lots of new matchups you know that's the nice thing about whenever there's a new champion there's new matchups there's new possibilities um you know with jones when he was a champion for so long you sort of looked at the other guys and like oh well it's not competitive because, you know, he's going to beat everyone. And, we you know, so when Joe's vacated and Jan came in and 
there was all these new guys, you know, to breathe the new life into the division. So light heavyweight, keep keep an eye on that division. All right, we're gonna go all the way back and talk about Jan versus Sanhagen. Um, yeah, I really thought I really thought Sanhagen was gonna take it. I think he, I thought he was gonna be able to strike technically for five rounds and stay on his bike, hit hit uh, Jan with some big shots and 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 take it. But Jan. He is a machine, man. He's what what Piotr Jan does is he he takes it slow the first round, maybe even the second round. Takes it slow, keeps that high guard, and just moves forward and presses. And basically, what he's doing is he's getting reads on his opponent. He's he's assessing what shots are there for me. They're gonna land. What openings are there? What am I gonna counter with? And he did that perfectly with Sandhagen because because he really took over in that third round. In that third round where he, he 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 threw the spinning back fist into the left hook left hook over or the left overhand hook thing that he threw and put you know Sanhagen down. Um wow, what a fight. He's you know, Jan is definitely the real champion. Even though he fought for the interim belt, everyone sees Piotr Jan as the real champ. He's the he's he's the guy at one thirty five. He's the man at one thirty five. Um he's the best in the world. Um and I think Sanhagen is is number two in the world. Um, uh, I think Sanhagen Sanhagen is still young. I you know obviously it's disappointing. He's still young. He's gonna learn from this, and I think he's still gonna be champion one day. But it's not his time. Um, Piotr is just a savage man. He's a savage. Um, so I had it. I had it. Um, I had forty eight forty seven. So I thought um, Sanhagen won the first two rounds. And Piotr just took over in the last three rounds, like a true champion does. Um, you know, championship rounds, that's where championship fighters show that they are championship fighters. And, um, yeah, so I think uh, that's, that's yeah, Piotr is the best in the world. Nothing more to say, but what a fight it was. Lots of heart on display. Um, they came out swinging, um, give and take. You know, Sanhagen did not give up on himself. Sanhagen took big shots and kept moving forward and kept trying to win the fight and he you know he'd take a shot take two shots and give back he'd give it back you know it was give and take you know there was at no point did you think that uh san Hago was out of the fight he was very much in the fight it was very competitive but you know Jan just pulled away like he normally does and and yeah what a fight it was now obviously what's next for Jan is to unify the belt with Aljamain Sterling, right, is to go and do the Sterling versus Jan too. There's a lot of hype behind that. I think that may even be the top of the top of the bill kind of fight because of the drama and everything that happened um, with you know Sterling winning by disqualification and you know no one really seeing him as a champ. He's not even ranked in on the pound for pound rankings, even though he has a belt because people just don't respect him. Um, and um, he's and he's trying to play the heel, but he's doing it in, in the complete wrong way. So he just comes up as annoying, and um, I think when he loses, because he is going to lose to Purian, people are going to be really happy about that. Like he's going to get so much hate. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Sterling, he's going to unify. But if Sterling doesn't recover in time, remember Sterling is injured. He doesn't recover in time. I think he'll get stripped, and it'll be T.J. Dillashaw versus Purian. I think that those are the two possibilities. What should happen next for Sanhagen? I think he should fight the winner of Jose Aldo and Rob Font. Um, you know, Sanhagen has lost to Sterling 
Dillashaw and Jan now. Those are the top three guys. So he's number four. Um, so I think he should fight Font and Aldo. Font or Aldo. Um, you know, those guys are ranked below him. Um, so, yeah, that's I think that would be best. If not, if he doesn't get the Font Aldo fight, or the Font Aldo fighting pretty soon, I think they're fighting before the end of the year. Um, if he doesn't get that fight, I think an interesting fight for him would, would be fight Dominic Cruz, who's ranked number 11 right now. I think that'd be an interesting fight. That's one of those feature bouts that people would just love to see. It's just a love to see fight. If not, there's still Marab Joandashvili. He just came off a win of um, Marlon Marais, and he's ranked number six. So not, you know, Cruz has a number 11 to his name. So he's he's down the pecking order, but he's Dominic Cruz, the greatest bantamweight ever. So it's one of those things where you, you know, you weigh it. You weigh it. But that would be a very interesting fight. I think they should look into that. Now let's go on. Islam versus Hooker. Um, Islam obviously dominated Hooker. Um, got that first round submission. Um, and Islam called for the title. He says, you know, the, um, obviously we know that Gaethje and Chandler are fighting next. And the winner of that fight may go on to face the winner of Oliveira Dustin, the title fight. Right? But Islam is saying, you know, Gaethje's already fought for the belt. Chandler just fought for the belt and lost. So, you know, we don't really want to see that again. Um, I think I should be next. And he had a point. He did have a point. Um, so it really depends what happens. So we know that Oliver Dustin is happening. Right? Dustin with the number one next to his name. Gaethje and Chandler, number two versus number four. We do have Dariush, right number three, who's in the mix. Um, but he's, I mean, it's Dariush. He's the luckiest fighter in the world. I don't know how he's ranked number three. He does have a number three to his name. He earned it, but he's not, he's not, that, that number's not reflective of his skills. Um, so, I think Makashev should fight Dariush in the meantime, right? Because these guys are going to fight, it's going to take a while, and they're going to do the title fight. However, if Oliveira does beat Dustin and Chandler beats Gaethje, that does open the door for Makachev to get the title shot, simply because Chandler has already fought Oliveira and lost, and we've already seen that fight. So Chandler may need another win. Maybe Chandler fights Makachev. That could be a possibility. Or he fights Dariush. So that, and all of that is on a timeline, right? You have to wait for people to recover and stuff. And these fights are happening quite close, so the recovery time is, you know. So I think Makachev in the meantime can fight Benil Dariush. You know, get a number three next to his name and further cement himself. He's on a nine-fight win streak. Make it a ten-fight win streak. Get an easy win over Dariush. Um, or he could fight the loser of Oliveira versus Dustin. That's also a possibility for him. I don't think he's going to get a title shot immediately. Um, unless Oliveira wins and Chandler wins. That's the, that's the scenario I see him getting a title shot in. If Oliveira wins and Chandler wins, he'll get the title shot. Now Hooker, who should he fight? He's now he's you know he's he won his last fight, the fight before, lost this one. Who did he fight next? I think he should fight the loser of Gaethje versus Chandler. That would be a very interesting fight for him. Um, he's a banger. But that being said, RDA is there. Tony Ferguson is Tony Ferguson is there. I think Hooker versus Ferguson is a great fight. Hooker number six, Ferguson number seven. I think that's an awesome fight. I would book that fight. I would try and make that fight happen. I think that's that's the perfect fight to make happen. Ferguson obviously on a three-fight losing streak. Hooker just came off a loss. I think it's a good fight for them both. 
Ferguson can beat Hooker. It shows that he's still in there. If Hooker can beat Ferguson, you know, he's, he's submitting himself as one of the top guys in the lightweight division because um, obviously he's in flux right now. He's on a lose-win-lose-win streak kind of thing. Volkov versus Tybura at the heavyweight division. Well, Volkov keeps his number five. Tybura is ranked number eight, so Volkov keeps his number five. And so he deserves an opponent dragged ahead of him. Um, I think the only two viable options for him is he fights Curtis Blades, who's ranked number four. Um, because obviously we have Francis versus um, we have Francis versus Cyril Gunn for the interim title. Stipe Miocic is not going to take that fight. Stipe Miocic wants the title fight and he deserves the title fight. He's got a number two next to his name. He's the greatest heavyweight of all time. He deserves to have a rematch. So Stipe. I think we'll get the next title fight, or he deserves John Jones. That leaves Derek Lewis next up. So, you know, Volkov can get the Lewis rematch. It was a fight that he was winning, and then he got knocked out in like the literal last few seconds of the fight. So I think he can get that Lewis rematch. That would be pretty good. You can get fight Lewis um, or Blades. So Lewis and Blades are the most viable options for him in terms of guys ranked ahead of him. Um, so I think he gets the Lewis rematch or he fights Curtis Blades. Now, for Marcin Taibura and Tommy Aspinall, that's what I think should happen next. I just messed up there. But anyway, Taibura fought number eight. He was number eight, he fought number five, so he, he has to like back up his position as the number eight guy. I think Tommy Aspinall, he's on a run. He's been doing well. He says he wants to climb up slowly. So if I got, he said, if I got the number 11, give me the number 10 guy. But I think he can go, I think he can skip ahead and go fight Marcin Taibura now. I think he's got the skills, he's got the good stuff. I think he should fight Taibura now. It's not too much of a jump for him, according to his criteria, but I do think he's ready for the likes of even a guy like Jorginho Rosenstrike, um, I, th I think who's ranked number six right now. I think he could fight him now, but I think Tommy Aspinall just filling in his criteria of what a fight would be for him, I think Marcin Taibura is a perfect fight for him. Now let's talk about one of the the craziest fights I've ever seen in my life, or the most dominant. So anyway, Chimaev, man, Hamza Chimaev, the fight starts and he goes straight for the takedown, straight for the takedown, and instead of just putting him down, put Li Jianlang down, he picks him up, walks over to Dana White. Dana White was texting or something. He calls Dana, said, "Hey, Dana, Dana, Dana." I'm going to smash everybody. I am going to smash everybody. And he, keep in mind, he has Li Jianglian in the air, fighting him, trying to get out of this. And he's holding him and talking to Dana White. Slams him to the floor. Ground and pound, heavy ground and pound he's landing. Goes for the submission. Li Jianglian gets out, goes for the submission again, gets out. Then he just switches sides, goes for the submission, and he puts him to sleep. I mean... This guy is a different animal. Chimaev is different, man. Like he's 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 he, in in his in his professional career, in his first four fights in the UFC, he has landed 120, I think it's 121 significant strikes, and and only absorbed one significant strike. One significant strike. He's only ever absorbed one significant strike in four fights. I have there's been literally no more dominant like fighter in his debuts and all that than this guy he's on a better run than connor was he's on a better run than than what john jones and 
Khabib and all these other goats, all these other greats, on a better run than all of them combined. He's on a better run for first four fights. You you can't point to me and tell me there's another fighter who's had as good a run. So now he enters into the top. He's entered. He's in his rank, so he's number eleven. But basically, he's in the top ten, right? Lots of options for him to fight people. He's got lots of options, and so who do I think he should fight? I think they're gonna strap uh, the the rocket ship to his back and try and get him to a title shot with Kamara Usman very quickly, because if Usman beats Covington again, then there really is no one for him left at welterweight, right? Because he's beating Covington, he would beat Burns, he's uh, beaten Masvidal, right? There's no one really left for him. No one really left for him. You know, he's beaten Masvidal twice. He would have beaten Covington uh, twice, and he would have beaten Burns. Um, you know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You know, with the number five next to his name, on a bit of a skid. He lost to Burns. Um, I can't really think of anyone else who's in the mix. Who? who, who. Oh, then there's Leon Edwards, right? Leon Edwards is the only guy, but he's also beaten Leon Edwards. He didn't beat him. Uh, so he's also beaten Leon Edwards, so he's pretty much cleaned his division. So if Leon Edwards wins against Masvidal, then Leon Edwards will get that title shot. Um, that's if he wins. But if Masvidal wins that fight, which I do think Masvidal will do, um, then you have a situation where you can't really make a trilogy when Masvidal lost both fights. So it puts them in a very tricky situation. So what I think needs to happen... What I think they're trying to do, going to try and do is get Chimaev as quickly as possible to the title. I think he should fight Michael Chiesa, who's ranked number six. Michael Chiesa is ranked number six. If not, give him Neil Magny, who's ranked number eight. If not, give him Wonderboy Thompson, who's ranked number five. If not, Jeff Neal, who's ranked number ten. I think those are the fights in likelihood and desirability, like the most desirable fights with the most likely. I think that's what's going to happen. I think Kiesa is going to be the guy he faces next. But stay tuned for that. Um, but wow. And for Li Xiangliang, you know, he was ranked number 11. So I think he fights a guy like Sean Brady, who's ranked number 13. I think that's only fair. Um, and then Amanda Rivas, she came in and she surprised me. Uh, Janjiroba won the first round. I said, okay, it's the beginning of the end. But Rivas came out with brilliant striking. And she got the dub. So where does that leave her? I think... She's got a couple options. I think she can fight Tisha Torres, Nina Nunes, who's Amanda Nunes's wife, or Mackenzie Dern. I think Mackenzie Dern feels like more of a main event, Rivas versus Dern. I think that's more of a main event kind of kind of fight. So I think that would be cool. If not, then you go with Tisha Torres. If not, then you go with Nina Nunes. So I think there are lots of options for Amanda Rivas there. Um, and obviously Dern is coming off a loss, um, she lost recently, so it makes sense for her to fight Rebus and they sort of sort it out, you know, big opportunity for Rebus, she's a star in the making as well, so I think they're going to try and do that. Jan Jaroba, I think she's going to fight, um, um, Angela Overkill Hill, because I think she already fought, um, what's this lady's name, I can't remember, but she's already fought someone in the top, I think she already fought the number, Felice Herring, I think she fought, she's ranked number 14, she already fought and beat her, so I think it just makes sense that Jan Europa fights over Kill Hill. 
And that's it, man. That is the Fallout episode. It's been your boy, the Crybaby. And uh, wow, what a night of fights. I really enjoyed these fights. And I went immediately and I wrote, wrote notes uh, to prepare because I just wanted it to be fresh in my mind. And um, yeah, it, 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 I didn't record because I was still feeling a bit like, I don't know why I felt so emotional. Like, like it was tears of joy, but I was just like, oh, I, can't, I can't record like this. I can't record when I'm in that state. So I, I gave it some time. And I wrote my notes and I gave it some time. But yeah, thank you so much for listening, man. Um, uh, I'm going to do, obviously, next weekend is another banger cracker of a, of a, of a pay-per-view. UFC 268, Usman Covington, Rose versus uh, Zhang. Gaethje versus Chandler. Um, it's a it's a cracker of a card. It's a brilliant card. Um, so do not miss that. I'm gonna do the preview and the fallout afterwards. Um, the fallout may take a little bit more time for me to do, but I will do the fallout. Uh, not it won't take me too much time, but I will do the fallout. Um, and I'm gonna have a guest in my next episode. Um, it's gonna be a guest, and we're gonna speak about. We're going to speak about trash talk in the UFC, and I don't think I, I don't know if you guys saw, but this other dude called another guy a terrorist, and the guy was Israeli, and the other guy was Palestinian, and so I got a whole conversation about what is the line, where's the line drawn. So we're going to talk about that in the next episode. But for now, it's been your boy. I hope you enjoyed the hostilities, um, and peace, my people. Thank you so much for listening.